This is 40K Today. More fun than a Games Workshop release party and with a higher nerd count. Hello and welcome to a special Best of 40K Today, Monday to Friday, where da your daily 15-minute news, views, and interviews deep dive into the whole hobby of Warhammer 40,000. Today, we bring you a selection of our favorite interviews of the week. We have to say a massive thanks to our friends at Frontline Gaming for having us on as a guest on Saturday. If you like what I hear, give us a listen during the week at 40ktoday.com, or you can find us via your favorite podcast player. I'm your host, Don Damaris, and today on the program, New 40K, Paul Murphy, Mikey Herbert, swing by to tell us all things to talk all things 9th edition. Jim Vessel takes a break from beating people to give us some great hobby tips. And Richard Siegler, the ITC champion himself, tells us what we need to know about Admech and their new releases and Psychic Awakening. Let's get this show on the road. Lots of interesting information is coming out about 9th edition, which we will get to in the second half of the show. First, though, we check in with the one and only Jim Vessel, who drops by to tell us about his new Soul Drinkers hobby project, which is absolutely inspiring. So, Jim, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, Paul. Thanks for having me on the, the cast. Oh, I think a lot of people first became aware of you during your meteoric rise of tournament success uh, during this last half of eighth edition. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a good run. Like uh, I think it was uh, a pretty fun run, and I'm you know obviously super proud about how I, how he did uh, last year. So uh, uh, it's been a little quieter obviously this year, and, and haven't had a lot of time to, to flex flex the muscles, but uh, it's been good. Well, I was I mean. <laughs> I mentioned this in the lead up to this segment, but you've actually got it all. You paint. You are an amazing hobbyist. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of funny because I I've always been a painter first. Like I actually was like a lot of times you hear about competitive players that are like I'm gonna set out to get better at painting or like I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be a better hobbyist. You know, I kind of came at it from the other direction where. I was always, you know, way more passionate about painting and hobby and like the fluff too. Like I love, I love the the stories. I read a lot of the novels, Horse Heresy, all that stuff. So I've always been very, and even when back in the days of Warhammer Fantasy, I used to be very involved in that. So I always was that first and I kind of set out to become better competitively, you know, so that was kind of, I kind of came out from the, the other angle and, uh, you know, I've always been a good player in my local meta, but never really like applied myself, I guess, because Oftentimes, you know, the lists I would play, the armies I would play was very much driven by, you know, what I thought was cool models that were cool. So I really set out when I started uh, 40k 8th edition to try to play more competitively uh, at, a, at a higher level. And, and you know, I think I, I think I did pretty well. No, you did absolutely well. Speaking about the the lore influencing what you do, people can check out your Instagram. It's at jimbov underscore paints, where you've been working on what seems to be like a passion project. Yeah, so I uh, I'm I'm building a Soul Drinkers uh, Space Marine army. Uh, well, not building; I've, it's now built because I've been working on it since October of last year, and I've just been kind of continuing to add to it. Um, they've always been, uh, you know, I read those books. I think they came out like maybe early 2000s, like 2003, 2004. Uh, I remember reading those books as like a 16 year old. I think I was maybe 16, 17 years old around then, and I remember reading those and just loving them because it's obviously a very different story than you get in the traditional. Uh, space marine kind of bolter porn where everyone loves the emperor and like everyone's goody two shoes so uh the, the idea of their chapter if you guys haven't read it essentially they are loyal space marines that uh still believe in the emperor and they, they're very loyal to the emperor but in but basically they think the imperium has lost its way and if you actually like objectively think about it i mean 
it, over the 10,000 years since the Great Crusade, the Imperium has lost its way. It's become this like super like authoritarian uh, religious like cult, which is every against everything that the emperor kind of was trying to do. So, you know, they're right. And as, as that gets them into a lot of trouble. Um, they get into a lot of trouble against chaos and a lot of trouble against uh, the Imperium. And so so I decided to, 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 to collect the chapter essentially of them. And, you know, they check a lot of boxes for me as far as background. I really like the background. They got a strong background. I love their color scheme. Purple is one of my favorite colors. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a chaos player at heart. And, uh, you know, in the, in the actual background of the chapter, they, there is a bit of chaos influence. Like, it, it does turn out, spoiler warning, it's a 20-year-old book, so, so I hope it's not too mad. But spoiler warning, they've been manipulated by Zinch a little bit to, to cause them to go renegade. And um, there, so there's a little bit of a chaos twist in there. Um, and one of their, uh, their main dudes ends up being like a kind of uh, like basically full chaos. And then they they basically discover that there's like a chaos corruption within their chapter, and that leads to a bunch of shenanigans. So it's been a really cool uh, cool project. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I have about I'm looking at my shelf now. I'd say almost four thousand points put, uh, painted at this point. Well, what's your secret to getting that purple? Because these guys have, uh, at least in the ones that you're showing, they have this really almost like iridescent armor. What is your secret? Um, it's, uh, it's actually mostly GW colors. I've been using uh, Phoenician purple and, uh, jeans purple. And then I use, I add, um, uh, pale pink from Proacrol, which is the company, uh, Proacrol is the company, uh, that is pink company uh, by creature caster. And I think for me, just the key is just, uh, and then I use uh Jujube violet as a shade, uh, to, to really get into those recesses. Um, a lot, some of it's airbrush magic, some of it's, um, you know, just making sure that like your highlights are really smooth, but, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a really good uh, really good purple, and I'm pretty happy with it. So it's it's been nice nice to, nice to paint. You mentioned Drucci Violet, and that is kind of like a secret weapon. Yeah, honestly. So this is the thing. Like, I actually um, I shade all my like. So the the scheme for the army is basically purple, bone, and gold. Those are like the three main colors. If you look at the the old album uh, art, uh, sorry, the old uh, book covers, uh, their main colors are bone, uh, purple, and then gold trim. And then there's a little bit of green in there. Uh, just as like a little bit of uh, for some of my uh, contrast. So like for some things like purity seals, I do in green. A few other small elements I'll do in green. Um, but I shade all my gold with purple as well. So um, all it kind of gives the whole model this kind of purple kind of tone. Um, and I find purple, the Jutri Violet actually works really well for shading metallics. Um, and it's something that if you haven't tried, uh, I would definitely recommend trying. I think that's the takeaway from this, man. Jim, let's continue to follow your progress. Interested to see how this army that you've been building for, you know, basically for funsies transitions into ninth, man. I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I just, I just can't wait at this point. I'm, I'm excited to get them back on the tabletop. That was Jim Vessel and those soul drinkers sure sound awesome. Check the show notes for links to his Instagram so you can see his beautiful color scheme up in person. So Admech got a bunch of new releases and a Psychic Awakening. You might be surprised to hear that the blue communist himself, Richard Siegler, is a big Admech fan and stops by to break down some of the most competitive options for Admech with their new releases. Richard Siegler, or as I like to call you, the Wizard of Oz. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. The guy. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about Engine War. So I hear that Admech got some really good, neat goodies, and you're going to be playing some Admech on the Art of War stream. Is that true? Absolutely. I've been playing a couple of games at Admech. I've been testing out all sorts of uh, new variations, um, especially focused around Electro Priests. And the new Admech rules in Engine War are incredible. 
Uh, there's a lot of jealousy coming from those demon fans and from uh, the night players. But boy, Admet got some incredible rules, um, dramatically increasing the power of the faction. Well, that's cool. You want to just give the give the people or give the listeners maybe a few of your favorite ones that you've uh, sort of run across or the things you're most excited to test and get on the table? Absolutely. Uh, first first thing on the chart is uh, these new warlord traits that Admet got. Um, they're holy orders. Um, you can get, um, when you choose one, you get to pick one of three effects at the start of your turn. And two or three of them are absolutely incredible. Some of the best warlord traits in the entire game right now. Um, crazy, crazy buffs. Some of them are dra- dramatically increasing Admex firepower. Uh, some are more about durability. Others are about melee buffs. Uh, but overall, those warlord traits are incredible. Um, they're going to be a feature of every Admex army. And the one CP stratagem that they received to get an extra warlord trait is currently not restricted to only one instance, like a lot of other extra warlord traits uh, stratagems. So you could potentially get all of those extra ones if you have enough generic characters uh, to take them which is probably going to get fixed, but uh, for now, yippee. Now, um, in addition to that, the, all the new units are incredible. Um, in particular, the Severus Raiders, uh, the horse, the gentlemen or horses who can uh, snipe at characters and also have a pregame move, extremely cheap for what they do. Uh, Sulfur Hounds are pretty good as well, um, in addition to uh, the Taraxi guys. Uh, in particular, I really like um, both of those units, the Sky Striders and then the Sterilizers. Both have really powerful new stratagems. Uh, one of them allows um, the sterilizers to hold units in combat on a two-up, and then the other stratagem is also uh, quite useful. <clears throat> That's great. So then, do you expect that we'll see more mono uh, admec lists to take advantage of some of these new rules? Because admec typically you see is souped into a lot of other imperial lists. Um, yeah, for a long time, Admech was kind of the loyal um, 17, or the rusty 17, as uh, some would call it, and plugged into night lists, plugged into um, you know some other Imperium lists that didn't have a special bonus like Space Marines. But that kind of fell away as Space Marines dominated the meta. Right now, I think Admech are in a wonderful place for a pure army. Um, I, uh, Mars is incredibly uh, powerful with the new Forge World uh, custom mechanical. Um, Lucius is pretty powerful as well, and then uh, Stygis 8 is going to remain uh, quite strong as well. That's great. And then, uh, obviously, with the things will ch- change up quite a bit with Ninth Edition. We don't know where that's really going to go, um, but we do know that pure armies are going to get more CPs, or at least that's what it sounds like, and that you'll have to pay to actually soup. So, um, I think Admic, it'll be interesting to see all the new Admic lists come out, and we'll get to see a lot of the new models come out to play. Do you like the new Flyer, for example? I think it's okay. Uh, right now, there's a little points error in the leaks um, that it seems like the Heavy Phosphor Blaster is written as zero points instead of 15. Probably going to get fixed, so the gunship is going to be around 164 points, which is kind of a little pricey for what it does. If it was slightly cheaper, I think it would be um, almost an automatic include into uh, Mars builds. But I think you'll still see it. I plan on running at least one or two and certainly just testing them out in lists. Okay. Uh, anything else you're excited to try with... Uh... Like what? Are, what are the units that you're most excited to get on the table with the new rules? Uh, the Severus Raiders. I think the ability to get up close and use their sniping ability um, is incredibly powerful because Admech already have the best uh, snipers in the game, the Transranic Arquebus. And with Mars, it can now, if they're in that canical, get plus one strength. So it's strength eight now, AP two, D three damage, got incredible range. Um, the combination of being able to whittle down characters with the um, arquebuses from range and then getting close with the Severus Raiders to finish them off. 
I think that's going to be a really, really uh, awesome tool that Admech Armies have. Hide your characters, John. Oh, that's no good because I like to play character havoc. I'm 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 very much a hero <laughs> hammer player, and you're 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 stabbing me in the heart, Richard. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm going right for the heart. No mercy. Yeah. No mercy. Sweep the leg. Okay. Well, thanks for stopping by and talking to us about Admech. I'm sure a lot of those Admech players are super excited, and they'll be watching very carefully to see what you do with them because you do tend to set the meta. Absolutely. I'll be writing an article on them very soon for Goonhammer. So check that out very soon. That was our ITC champion, Richard Siegler, dropping some knowledge on us about Admech. If you'd like to talk to him more, you can find him at The Art of War. Link, as always, in the show notes. Next up on the show, we chant new 40K. Today's episode of 40K Today is brought to you by Frontline Gaming. Frontline Gaming is a one-stop shop for all your Warhammer hobby needs, discounted products, American-made gaming mats and terrain, and a full line of miniatures painting service and daily hobby content. And this can all be found at FrontlineGaming.org. And welcome back. Obviously, the biggest news in, the, in our universe is the new edition for Warhammer 40,000 is being teased out in bits and pieces uh, across every day. Paul Murphy from Forge the Narrative and Mikey Herbert from Hellstorm Wargaming joined me to share just how geeked up we all are about everything that's coming down the pipe. So let, let's just go around the table. What are you most excited about? We'll start with Mikey. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. Um, I think... The thing I'm most excited about is the one that everyone is talking about. It's the fact that they're going to make terrain less binary, whether it does something or does nothing, but mostly it does nothing. Um, from what it sounds like, they're going to have like special rules for each type of terrain or each type of board setup you've got. And having something that's more interesting than just plus one cover or does nothing is uh, sounds really, really exciting to me. Uh, everyone seems to be talking about it, but I also think it's the most impactful change uh, to the game by the sounds of it. So I think that's why everyone seems to have the same thing as terrain is the best one. Yeah, and GW has given us some like just just some hints at that, right? So they've told us that there's this new obstructing keyword that basically if you draw a line across that piece of terrain and it's obstructing, it doesn't matter what you can see, you're blocked, right? Because uh, yeah. Right, um, which makes it a lot cleaner. I think anything that steps us away from true line of sight is going to make the game experience better. If there's just some more concrete ways we can determine what's going on, as opposed to getting down there with a laser and being like, "No, no, I can see your tail clearly. Come here and look. You can. Can you see? Like, if I look across the barrel of my gun, I can see the tail of your through the cracks in that terrain yeah. that is that have only appeared yeah. because you've been storing it sideways for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's hopefully with, with the fact that you're going to be applying keywords to terrain, hopefully, rather than because GW have rules for terrain already, but it's just for a specific kit that they sell built in a specific way. And realistically, people's terrain sets is what they have in a box that they store under the table or in the garage or something. So if they can make the table more abstract, but works better in, in the game, that's only good, a good thing for everybody. Mikey stole my answer, so I'm going to go with uh, the fallback penalty. You know, we saw today on the article that the, you, you can burn a CP and cut down your enemy when they're fall, when they're running away from you. That's one of the more 
I guess, um, awkward things in the game right now. If you try to play assault, is the is the uh, the potential for people to just ev- you know evaporate out of combat. Now, the mm. penalty is not extreme, but it's something. And it's uh, as someone who likes to play assault based armies, the combination of terrain pot- potentially being uh, more of a an actual factor in the game, and then. Uh, after I've done damage to my opponent, then potentially taking more damage as they leave sounds really awesome. It also gives them something to think about, right? Because now suddenly they're like, uh, we'll just use a hypothetical. I've got my Harlequin troopers who are very expensive on a point per model basis. Mm. If I take three or four mortal wounds on my 10 man unit, like uh, that's not something I necessarily want to do just to fall back. So I can shoot your 30 orc boys. Well, <laughs> I, I think that, that falling back will always be worth it, right? You're falling back to either get closer to an objective or uh, allow the enemy to be shot at or something like that. But now there is a bit of a risk. Like if you, if you would potentially give up like a, a kill point or whatever, when you weren't expecting to, that could really slip the balance of the game. I think the, I think that's a good point. But I think the thing that I am most excited about is the changes to command points. So they've, mm. they've sort of previewed today uh, and, and in the past that everybody's going to get a set amount of command points based on uh, arm, our army sizes. So if you're at 2,000 points, I think you're going to start with 12. They've also said that uh, at the beginning of every turn, there's now a command phase where you play those beginning of turn effects or, or effects that uh, uh, happen for the whole turn, and you generate a command point, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and then the thing that I think is great about that is so many armies are penalized so heavily for being elite in nature. And I, Custodes is like the golden poster boy for this, right? You can't yeah. make three battalion custodies lists, it's literally point impossible. <laughs> so like, uh, you never had a lot of command points to use your really cool strats uh, with custodies, but now you get as many command points as anybody else, and it sort of levels the playing field between the elite armies and the horde armies, and now maybe we'll see a little less of this like abstracted weird thing where you had like the rusty 17 or the loyal 32 where you just had this like random detachment do nothing detachment that was literally just there for command points and it just detracted from the flavor of the army the immersion of the experience um, now you'll see like these really cool pure custodies armies or Greynard armies and they'll be going toe-to-toe with a huge guard horde and it, and it'll all make sense like there's no reason to reach outside your codex to just add something random for a few CPs. I don't it's know. That's a difficult thing to balance. It, it's a, or essentially it's proven to be a difficult thing to balance. And, and I think that everyone getting the same will present its own challenges, but it'll be different. In my opinion, fewer challenges than to try to balance someone's access to multiple battalions. Yeah. I think you're going to see the, at the minute in a competitive army, you'll see, really strange units being taken just so they can squeeze another CP out or another 5 CP if they're using, like, as we've mentioned, double battalion. But now I think we're going to see something opposite where people are taking units just to fill in slots in the original battalion just so they don't have to take another detachment because they don't want to sacrifice any CP. So you're going to see like just one battalion, but I imagine, or one brigade and then hardly anything else. If you do, it'll be quite rare. Booyah! Can you feel the excitement? I, for one, cannot wait until 9th edition gets here. It seems like Mikey and Paul are right there with me. As always, there's links in the show notes to both of these guys' excellent content on 9th edition. Okay, folks, who's ready to sing along? It's that special time of the show. It's time for Model of the Day. It's the 
the model of the day, the, the model of the day, the, the model of the day. Every day during our regular weekday show, we feature a model of the day, and we've been able to show off some stunning work this week. should definitely go back and check some of those out. This week's model of the week is one you might have already seen. This awesome Redemptor Dreadnought was submitted by Ayers of Azkelion. The model was painted using a mix of contrast and normal acrylic paints. The blend between the dark and the bright red is outstanding, and the conversion work on the sarcophagus and armor plates are phenomenal. And lastly, the muddy base really makes the model pop. If you have a model that you'd like to feature on the show, or you've seen a model that should be featured, don't hesitate to let us know. You can find us, as always, at 40K Today on Facebook. And that's it for today. Thanks for joining us. A big thanks to our content producer, Alex Painter, and our social media superstar, Tanya Gates, and our technical producer, Seamus Ronan, for all their hard work, once again, making this show possible. If you liked what you heard on the show today, make sure you come check us out at 40ktoday.com or on your favorite podcast platform. We do a 15-minute show every single day of the week with the kind of information that was found in today's show. We'll see you next week. Until then, for the 40K Today team, I'm John Demaris, and that's what's happening 40K Today. 